BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the 5 Rounds Podcast. The only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I am Mags and with me as always my son Carlos. Carlos, how are you this early evening? Feeling fresher than it is, man. Yeah, it makes a makes a change from the recent ones where we've been recording this podcast like at four, five, six o'clock in the morning. It's good to be able to get this knocked out uh, and get to bed at a reasonable time. Uh, but yeah, we've just literally finished watching UFC two fifty four Habib versus Gaethje. Uh Quickly, just run through these prelims. Uh, card started with uh, Joel Alvarez picking up a, a first round sub against Alexander Yakovlev and then we had a, a first round knockout by uh, Miranda Maverick on Liana Jujua then going into uh, the, the televised prelims we started with uh, with uh, Jung Down uh, getting uh, the draw uh, the decision draw with a smiling Sam Alvarez and then uh, Shavgat Rachmanov getting the, the massive upset uh, knockout victory, or sub-victory of Alex Oliveira. Then we got a, a decision victory for Casey Kenny against Nathaniel Wood. And then in the in the featured prelim, uh, Stefan Struve knocked out yet again with one second left on the, the first round to, to Tati Vaza. So going on to this main card, we have uh, six fights total. Started in the light heavyweight division uh, with uh, Magomed Ankliev taking on uh, Ion Kutalaba. If you remember, this fight was uh, was took place a few months ago and um, was very um, very disputed finish. Uh, Kutalaba got uh, was stopped by the referee who uh, claimed he was uh, knocked out when. He clearly wasn't. He was uh, he was ready to carry on fighting. So the UFC did the right thing and rebooked the fight. Uh, Kutalaba wanted to kind of prove that he he wasn't beat by Ankleve, and Ankleve wanted to put a, a, a rubber stamp on the fact that he won the fight. And it went Ankleve's way. He actually he, he destroyed Kutalaba in this fight. Uh, started with a with a, a kicking game, um, which uh, actually went longer than than the actual first fight. I think the first fight was what thirty-seven seconds or something like that when the ref jumped so, in to stop uh, it. Right early. Yeah. Uh, so we, like I said, we started with a kicking game. Ankalev took the took the lead with that, landed a few uh, uh, kicks to the face with a front kick. Uh, Kuzlava tried to counter with some inside leg kicks and then comboing with a overhand right. Um, Kutalaba comes in for the teardown. Ankalev landed a knee. Um, Kutalaba then started kind of like doing a chase. Uh, Ankler was able to, to put uh, Kutalaba down with a left hand but uh, uh, Eon just being so resilient got straight back up uh, a little bit of an exchange and then Ankler drops Kutalaba with a left uh, when he hit the floor you could see the back of his head just bounce off the back of the mat uh, Kutalaba tried to turtle up uh, but Ankler uh, puts in two punches that just, just cleans Kutalaba out he was fast asleep and with uh, with just forty seconds left on the clock in the first round, we get the the first finish of the main card, and Magomed Ankalev gets his second victory in a row over uh, Ian Kutalaba. See, which I don't find surprising. It didn't surprise me the way he finished the fight. It didn't surprise me how we were coming into the fight. Um, there's been enough. The obviously these two were supposed to fight uh, f- uh, three times. Second time they fought, controversial. 
uh, controversy. Um, third time they fought, so I remember we were just watching it then, like I was saying to you, fucking don't stop it yet, ref, let him, let him yeah. get put out. And as soon as he got knocked out, um, the first comment where I, where I said is, there's no way you can say that we're in early stoppage now. And uh, he, like I said, there were, a, there were a lot building up to this fight. Uh, there were a lot of stuff like, that went into it. And for me, Kutalaba, he didn't change anything about his game. But saying that, uh, neither did that and Clev, not uh, a lot of them, both of them uh, didn't really do um, that much to change the game. Uh, they both came in that sort of heavily swinging like they did in the in the first part. Mm -hmm. And obviously this one just happened to go on uh, that extra three minute uh, longer. So yeah, they were no surprise me. Both from the way uh, uh, he finished him. Uh, obviously the the first time round it was a head kick. Um, Second time round, now it with the the punches and the follow up, and uh, to be honest, that that's one thing that I can say. If I were to say anything, would surprise surprise me about this bout is um, I thought Anklev were just going to go straight for the same game plan, just open him up, hit him a couple of times to the body, and then uh, kick to the head, and I were I were wrong. But mm. good win for Kuta. Um, Kuta, oh, I was about to say, he wishes he won. Yeah, I was about to say, fuck you, wish you won. Mm. He's still waking up. Uh, good win for Ankalev. Um He moves up the the light of the weight rankings. Uh, but yeah, okay, what more can you say for him? It's a good. Uh, I suppose one good thing that comes out of this it it puts this sort of little drama to rest between yeah. these two because the, it, it's been boring. Yeah, it's been boring because it's not like they've been feuding about new stuff. It's like old stuff that's just carried on. It's like fuck me, guys. Like. So then after that, we uh, go into the women's flyweight division with a veteran, Lauren Murphy, uh, looking to continue this kind of a good run of form and push towards uh, a title match, uh, taking on uh, Lilia uh, Shakirova, the, uh, making a UFC debut, coming in with a lot of harp. I think she was 8-1. Uh, I thought they were put on the UFC. I thought I saw 8 and all. Eight and zero is um, no. There was four. It was she's won the last eight. I think. I think she may have lost the first part. Uh, but yeah, she was coming in with a with a big heart train behind her, and um, Lauren Murphy has put that heart train and and really derailed it with a very classy uh, victory. Sh uh, Shakirova tried to dominate the the first round with uh, with kicks. Uh, but Mur uh, Murphy did so well in pressuring her uh, landing combination. She was very uh, elegant with the way she fought, uh, very aggressive, um, good with the takedowns, uh, good with the takedown defence. She avoided uh, a decent spinning back fist by Sh uh, Um But, yeah, the, the, the first round was very much a feeling out round and Murphy kind of finding her distance, uh, finding uh, her range and, and avoiding uh, Shakarova's uh, takedowns and, and she did a, a, a really good job of, of kind of like cementing her game planning going into the second round and she, she just uh, decided to dominate and got I think she got her first ever sub if I remember rightly uh, in uh, 10 fights in the UFC she's never finished anyone with a sub uh, but um, getting to that sub, she uh, she basically turned up the 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 dial on the, on the amount of pressure and the amount of shots that she was was throwing. Really started to worry um, Shakirova, who, who was uh, almost trying to run away. It felt like to me the way she was circling and and kind of backing up towards the cage. Uh, Murphy grabs hold for the clinch, lands a couple of knees to the body. Uh, ties her up on the on the fence, was able to drag her to the floor. Um, Murphy was pretty much uh, in in full mount, in, in uh, switching from guard to mount, just easily with uh, with the transitions. Uh, Shakirova did attempt to go for a, a leg submission, but Murphy was able to to defend that and switch into some ground and pound. Um, then Murphy. Uh, uh, transitioned into side control and went wait for Shakarova to try and uh, try and escape. And as soon as she made a move, Murphy was able to get the back, uh, climbed on her arm under the chin, and it was one of the tars rear naked shorts I've seen for a long, long while. Uh, you could see the breath coming out of Shakarova's lungs, and she was in absolute panic mode. Uh, great victory for Lauren Murphy. And, 
a 37-year-old pushing to to get a, a title shot against Valentina Zhevchenko. Well played to uh, Lauren Murphy. Definitely well played. So to say she's 37, uh, 30, 37, 37. Yeah, 37. Um, DC said on commentary that she's 35 and, and John Anik corrected him. I uh, said, nope, she's uh, 37. <laughs> yeah, for, for 37 years of age, she doesn't fight that, that way. She she fights like she's definitely younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's definitely got that um, that fire and that and that courage um, uh, to go forward. Karova, <laughs> Shakarova, it's a fucking weird name, isn't it? Shakarova, hard um, fight for you, first debut, isn't it? I know, yeah. obviously, we're speaking about divisions that are a very Fred fan, yeah. um, but Laura Murphy, it's not like she's a pushover in the in the UFC. She's she's been around for time, so the experience is there. Um, so yeah, not a not a, not an easy fight for your for your debut. Clearly, someone wants to make a statement, and it's not like she did too bad. Was, when I was watching it, they both seemed to me like there was somewhat equally matched on the feet. Yeah. Uh, they both threw near enough probably round about the same strikes and to me they both missed round about the same strike. Head head movement was was there for both of them. Timing and accuracy was there for for both of them. Uh, so on like I say on that on that indicator that they were both um sort of point fighting uh, in that aspect whereas We've got like a, a Wonder Boy and a Woodley, whereas they couldn't sort of finish each other. Even though they were trying to, it was more the the pros and cons sort of equal each other out in, in both the games. Uh, and I think that's what came down to this one. But then obviously, mixed martial arts is what this game is. Warren Murphy switching it up and going to the ground. And quickly, we get to realise who is better on the ground than... Um, better than obviously in the stand-up. Quickly, Laura Murphy was showing that she was the more experienced, the more advanced uh, on the ground. Even which was surprising with this woman coming from Dazakhstan, who's had these fucking world uh, uh, grapplers coming out. I think she was from. Uh, no, I think it was. It's have a. It, it is a. It's a, one of the former Russian uh, um, uh, colonies. I think it's Kazakhstan. It may be Kazakhstan, or it, it's definitely one of those former Russian uh, colonies. And and you made a good point whilst we were watching the fight. You, she came in with a, a, a huge heart train, eight and one, uh, one and last eight fights. But does that really stand up when you're looking at uh, like UFC fights? Because we see a lot of uh, these former Russian uh, um, colonies and the fighters coming in with. Amazing looking records, but then when they get to the UFC, they're not able to to live up to the hype. And Shakirova was definitely not, uh, definitely didn't live up to the heart of someone who, who was eight and oiner in a in her last eight fights, um, and she got brought down to earth with a with a massive bump. Oh yeah, definitely. It's like a, I always make this sort of point with uh, a lot of people when I speak about it with, and it's usually with people who are novice to both similar sports to boxing and mixed martial arts and I usually use the term is you can make anyone a great boxer by feeding them cans and getting them wins because you can there's always ways for you to look at people and, and knowing on paper that your guy's gonna beat him so just match him up. You don't match your guy up with guys who's who's who holds any sort of risks and you quickly can can put a guy in front of um excuse me. I'll do that again. You can quickly have a guy who there who's beating the piss out of uh, his opponents, but what you don't realise is because they're not telling you is his opponent is working nine to five, being a fucking brick labourer. <laughs> so it's like a lot when you see it in um, obviously in Bellator and stuff like that. Uh, Michael Venom Page, everyone like me, I were on his like heart train before before he fought someone a little bit decent in um, uh, what's he called? Uh, Pitbull. No, not Pitbull. The other one. The, the one who knocked him out. Uh, blah, 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 fucking hell, it's going to do me head in that. Now Lima. Oh, when he fought Lima. Yeah. Um, and, I thought to, and I actually thought to myself, hang on a minute. What would actually, what would it actually be like in the UFC? And I know a lot of people give him shit that they, they might underpay him or they're not all for the fighters. But you can't not say that these have not got some of the best talent and the best guys. And the reason they've got the best guys is they've got the most fan base. They've got... 
they've, they've got everyone as watching them. They're around the world. I know a lot of people say as well about, oh, well, Bellator and one and stuff like that. Yeah, but who the fuck's watching Bellator on Channel 5 at like 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday in, on, in the UK? No fuckers watching them. Mm-hmm. Everyone's watching UFC on a weekend. No fuckers watching one championship. What's over in Japan or China, wherever it fucking is. No one's watching that. Hey, that's a... That, that, Otherwise, that, these companies would be massive as well. They're not. UFC is the biggest company, and everyone's uh, the best fighters in the world are flocking there because they know if I hold one of them belts, I'm going to make. And what a lot of people, uh, a lot of fighters realise is if you have one of them UFC belts, you also line your pocket with a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, one of the best fighters to never be in the UFC, Michael Chandler, is now there at the tail end of his career, so it shows the, the drawing power of the the biggest company in, in the game exactly so I, I, I went back to asking myself how would the guys like these actually hold up in the ufc and i thought to myself no maybe ufc maybe mma is is i know it hasn't been around as long as boxing but maybe it's become more mainstream now luckily enough for obviously social media stuff like that where i can sort of use the term now in both boxing and mma where i can speak to sort of novice people i can I can tell them and sort of make them understand that a guy's not so good because of his record because I can put him in front of a lot of people. As long as I have a a promoter or a manager or a coach is making sure his opponent is a fucking nobody who's got no skills whatsoever and I know that my guy's got all that and nearly 100% looking in his favour, I'd put him in that far. Mm -hmm. That's an easy way for you to build up your record and get all eyes on you. So these don't. That's so. That's one thing for me. I don't always go into into records. So for, but then again. So but then again, for you to go for for eight and one and come into the UFC and get a, a woman like Laura Murphy. Clearly, the UFC have, have watched her. So you know, obviously, I'm not gonna. I'm saying this off not watching any of her previous fights because I honestly, uh, honestly, I have not watched any of her fights. I didn't even know who she were until uh, obviously she's fought Laura Murphy. Um, so I'm gonna have to watch a fights to see if the UFC saw anything good in her. Mm-hmm. But a stand-up was on average, and a, and a ground game was just not there. And Lauren Murphy mm-hmm. was able to capitalise on that and sort of show her as Daniel Cormier had said, there's levels to this, mm-hmm. uh, and she was just able to show her there. She had one submission attempt. And, that's all it took a one submission attempt, and that was a tight rear naked. As soon as she and, that got in, especially when it's from someone who's who's not known for sub- submitting people. Well, it just shows yeah. how rudimentary Shakarova's uh, ground game must be. Definitely. Obviously, Laura Murphy, congrats to her. She was obviously wanting to finish that way. She, she was so happy to get a submission victory. Uh, I'm going to have to learn why. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm happy for her. Like, if it's, again, if you've got a game plan, and it just goes to show, if you've got a game plan, you go out there and it... And you execute it perfectly, it's going to work out. And clearly, that was her game plan for how happy and excited she was to pull this, uh, just a submission off. Mm-hmm. Clearly, her game plan was to go in there, beat her up a little bit, take it to the ground, and and end it with a sub. And that's worked perfectly for her. So, congratulations to Laura Murphy moving up in the flower division. Yeah. Uh, so next after that, we get uh, uh, a match with uh, two debutants in the middleweight division, Phil Hawes. Uh, with a, a huge heart train behind him, coming into the the company eight and two, and uh, Jacob Malcuna as well coming in unbeaten. Uh, and this fight didn't take long at all. Eighteen seconds, three actual punches landing, and it was game over. Uh, they they touched the gloves. Uh, Hawes started uh, pressurizing uh, Malcoon straight away. Landed a right. Saw that Malcoon was uh, was dazed from it. Landed a, a left that, that connected behind the ear, uh, and that just put uh, Malcoon out to sleep. He he collapsed into a ball. Uh, Hayes followed it. Uh, Hawes followed it up with a, a couple of shots to the face and good night. God bless. What a debut. Eighteen seconds. That's it. Well, what what can you say about this guy? Uh, uh, the one thing I'm going to touch up on is uh, obviously DC and John Anik brought up the fact that uh, Robert Whitaker was saying this guy should have been the UFC a bit ago. He's been struggling to get fights, and he came in four and all. Somewhat can't find his his record for who he's fought. 
Um, but the guy was a pro boxer. Uh, the one thing about it is that he's had that three pro boxing bouts, uh, eight rounds of his, I think his uh, knockout rate was 66%, which is relatively high. Um, but yeah, um, obviously they were saying this, he was struggling to find fights because he was a scary guy to fight or a hard guy or a hard guy to fight, I, I really don't understand why, because in this fight he didn't look so hard in a way. Um, don't want to be disrespectful, he just, he, when, you, when you've got a guy like Robert Whittaker, like, hyping you, hyping you up like that and saying that, when you've got the commentary, commentary team saying stuff like that about you, mm-hmm. and then you come up and don't show up, he just go like, ah shit, maybe the overhyped you a bit too much there. It's like a it, it, it definitely feels like a one and done. Definitely, kind of. yeah. Go go back to the first part between uh, Kutalov and um, uh, Ankuliev. Uh, Ankuliev. When uh, when they fought, Kutalov went straight. Have you can remember? They went, he went straight over, didn't he? And uh, Ankuliev like basically bare hugged him and threw him across cage. And even like Michael Bisping was like, oh, fuck me, with an entrance like that, you've got to come and, and basically like put on like a show now. You, you can't just come and just fucking wait there, and it was it was basically like one of them for me. When you've got a commentary team saying saying that sort of stuff here, um, uh, and then obviously Robert Whitaker, one of the the hardest guys in in the middleweight division, uh, saying that sort of stuff about you, and then you come in and you get knocked out in what what were it? Um, eighteen seconds. Eight eighteen seconds. Uh, just goes to show you maybe might be even not facing the guys who you should be facing or maybe the talent's not there and you're a one-trick pony <laughs> and his opponent clearly was not a, a one-trick pony who has got still a heart train behind him uh, with um, Philip uh, uh, Philip Hawes uh, who somewhat looks like uh, Walt Harris's little brother <laughs> you're saying that and uh, Walt Harris was in, in the next fight yeah, and this was uncomfortable to watch uh, just because of all the, the situation that, that's uh, been around Walt Harris over the last uh, year or so uh, with his uh, with his stepdaughter uh, going missing and then finding out that what had happened to her. I don't think that Walt Harris's head is in is in the game. He showed that against the in the fight against uh, Overeem, and I, I think that this was his. This felt to me like someone who is fighting to keep his mind off, off his real life issues. Uh, and he certainly fought like that. He didn't fight like the Walt Harris that we that we know, uh, the, uh, the, the killer that he can be. Uh, he showed, definitely showed uh, kind of like uh, the promise of that. He landed quite a, a few shots with Volkov, but Volkov just was an absolute level above him in this fight. From the, the first round, he was landing three to four shot combinations when uh, Walt was only landing like ones and potentially twos. Getting to the middle of the, of the fight, uh, it was clear that... Uh, he got uh, the Volkov hurt uh, Harris with a with a left jab, and Harris started ducking down and like acting almost like like as Carla said whilst we watched it, acting like a po- possum, like uh, trying to lure uh, Volkov into into range. Uh, but he didn't seem to be like kind of springing out of that when uh, when he had the opportunity. He was just allowing Volkov to to tag him and. Uh, yeah, it was just um, getting to the end of the first round. Volkov was absolutely destroying Harris, and and the referee actually warned Harris that if he didn't uh, start fighting back or, or defending uh, intelligently, he was going to call the fight. Um, luckily, the, the the round ended uh, when Volkov kind of slowed his his pace when he realised he probably weren't going to get the finish in the first, and he wanted to conserve energy. Comes out to the second. Um, and it was finished pretty early in in, in this uh, one minute of fifteen of the second round. Uh, Harris shot shot for a takedown, was stuffed by Volkov. Volkov landed a right uh, front kick to the 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 midsection of Harris, almost kind of like a a kick with the toe and then a a jab with the heel. Uh, you could see that Harris was hurt. He just started that turtling up straight away. Uh, Volkov uh, ran in, finished the job with the punches and, and fight over. Um, Volkov picked up the victory. Yeah, congratulations to Volkov. Uh, to, uh, touch upon um, what you said about Aris for a sec. Yeah, I somewhat agree with you. Maybe his, his head's not in the right place. Like you say, he, you can't really put a time limit on, on, on 
grieving, uh, like you said earlier. Um, maybe it's a hard time for him. Maybe he needs it to take his mind off it. Maybe he's not a good person when he is thinking about it. No one will know bar from, bar from him. And um, he's, it's not like he wasn't a bad fighter uh, in a way tonight. It's not like he was doing stuff wrong. Uh, he's just a pawn and had the had the reach on him. Uh, had the reach on him. Mm -hmm. um, Volkov. Uh, with a much taller opponent. Say for the power wise, Harris is still got more power than Vol um, uh, Volkov and Volkov knew that and he was doing he was um he was keeping it perfect to stay away from uh, uh, Harris in a way to to stay out of the power shots using his length to his advantage and like I said when you were going into uh while Harris sort of leaning over and sort of taking the possum position when you can't get into a fighter who's got the uh, reach on you and then he's also a good uh, counter puncher as well that uh, Volkov is uh, that's somewhat a hard mix to even get in to somewhat doing a bit of dirty boxing with your opponent which every time you go in you're getting popped off every time you stood there you're getting popped off so what 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 do you do and I think it were a clever manoeuvre that he tried to do but I could have been totally wrong he, he, he could have been hurt to the body, or he could have been. Yeah. After the first round, he were uh, close to that winking his eye quite, yeah, a, quite a bit. So he, that could have been hurting him. Uh, it may have been him going into survival mode, basically. Yeah, but either way, it worked for him. And even if it was that, and if after that he sort of picked, hang on a minute, that fucking. Even though he hurt me, he didn't really do much to me afterwards, but it did break that distance. He did come for me instead of me going to him. And, he were sort of hunching over a couple more times, but then again, it does open up to certain kicks, especially from a long opponent. And clearly, uh, Volkov knew that that basically that front teak kick worked perfectly for that sort of um, for that sort of uh, what would you even call it? That sort of technique, if you will, that's mm -hmm. standard. Uh, you'll see a lot of people sort of doing it with. Uh, wrestlers who are waiting, like the, the guy sort of hunched all the way into like sprawl so they got, can't take him down so they'll do that perfect, that teak kick just to like lift him up a bit, it's like oh, because then they can just drop it down and shoot in straight yeah. away um, so it's just like a perfect move to open the body and make him stand up a little bit um, but with a guy like uh, uh, Volkov, he's just, just too long when you do that yeah. sort of stuff uh, try and do that sort of stuff and he, you let him you let him do that. That sort of, that technique only works when you're wanting him to break the distance and when you're not trying to shoot your shots off that won't work doing. That sort of position doesn't work. It just you might as well just be going back to the original thing where you're standing in front of him and you're just letting him like take the shots off. Um the better guard tonight with Volkov, you can clearly tell he's uh he took that last loss um from Blades on the chin and he's come back and uh, and worked on that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, congratulations to him. Uh, Walt, don't know where he goes from here. Maybe he just needs to go spend a bit of time with his family. Yeah. Try and check where his head is. But definitely, he's he's, in it, he's still got a career in the UFC. I don't I don't know how old he is. I don't I don't want to say obviously title wise he's going to be up there because obviously no one will ever know. No one will ever know if he gets back to the to Walt Harris who, who we were before. No one will know, and the time will tell. But one thing we do know for now is. Volkov is being a professional and learning from his mistakes. He is getting better and his performance that he put on, perfect with that kick uh, mm -hmm. and then the follow-up and showing the respect afterwards, which is always uh, which is always uh, a quality thing to see. But as well, going on for the fight, got to throw um, sort of like credit where credit is due. Uh, credit to the ref is when obviously Volkov threw that sort of body kick, he in... At the pace it was going, it did look like he kicked him at bollocks. But he obviously was a slow mo when we saw it. The first one I saw it, I thought he kicked him at bollocks. I'm like, oh shit, that, that were because uh, that is one of the other side effects to that sort of kick. You, yeah. you cannot, you can sometimes fuck it up and, and clip the cup here uh, in a way. But um, it, the the ref clearly saw it perfectly and saw that it didn't even make contact with the cup. It, he perfectly just, just hit him straight into the gut and so credit where credit's due, that, that ref made a, 
a good goal to knock the wall or a low ball yeah. or like that. Because even when he were on the floor, he was still showing signs like a, a bit of a kicking, kicking testicles. But nah, yeah, credit where credit's due. Referee done a, done a good in there, so good on to him. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc yeah it was uh, the uh, that referee we haven't seen a lot of it was that lucas Pazaki. Mm. so after that let's get into this uh core main event and uh the only one on this uh this main card that actually made it to the end to the judges uh and it was a very one-sided victory uh, for Robert Whittaker against Jared Cannonier. Uh, the first two rounds, it was pretty much a kicking game from Cannonier versus the the jabbing game of Robert Whittaker. Uh, obviously, Whittaker uh, is really accurate with his with his own kicks, but those leg kicks from uh, Cannonier were 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 so brutal. Uh, but he didn't throw enough fists to, to kind of worry Whitaker enough and when Whitaker landed these combinations and his, the, the right jab he, he absolutely just punished uh, Cannonier. Uh, going into the the second round Carlos noticed the, the massive well on uh, on Cannonier's face uh, and as soon as Carlos said that that's when Whitaker started focusing on it and landed a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, the jabs on it uh, but Cannonier stuck with his leg game, which uh, was was a very risky strategy because it, it didn't work in the first round. And when you're going into the second round, already a round down, um, keeping up that same game plan is 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 dangerous, especially when it's not working. And then coming out of the, out of the second round, it just didn't work at all. So he was going into the third round, two rounds down, with no kind of sign of a, a change in game plan. Uh, going into the third. Whitaker turned up, turned it up a notch, and and damn near finished the fight. Uh, at one point, he was uh, it was uh, he had a cannonier wobbled, and if it wasn't for the cage, cannonier would have fell over. It was it was literally lean on it to to stay stood up. Um, he uh, then took a, a punch from uh, Whitaker, went down to the ground. Whitaker got on top, uh, did some uh, ground and pound. Uh, cannonier did his best to kind of uh, kind of uh, guard against that. But was able to to do a beautiful kind of like squirm out of, out of uh, out of the submission attempt and got back to his feet and it looked like he it was like as had no damage to him whatsoever. But he was very very patient in that last ninety seconds, knowing that you were two rounds down, knowing that you've been taken down, knowing that you've been dominated for two and a half minutes on the floor. He needed to to up that pressure, and he just didn't. Uh, and for going for the uh, the last thirty seconds, he landed a shot that that hurt Whitaker, and Whitaker, the sensible, clever fighter that he is. Tied him, tied up Cannonier to give himself the chance to recover to make sure Cannonier didn't do any more damage, um, and he picked up the victory and a very well deserved victory. And uh, just I feel so uh, bad for Cannonier because at someone at 36 years old, this was probably his last chance at, at maybe going for a title shot. Uh, he, he obviously had that kind of fire lit underneath him from Izzy calling him out and saying if you can beat Whitaker you're next and yeah he's just he's whiffed it at the final hurdle and it must be so kind of heart wrenching for him but this is this is Bobby Knuckles who who dominated that division for so long uh, and he's looking to get that title back and and uh, take, take Izzy to the fucking woodshed he definitely put on a statement uh, tonight. But the one thing I didn't notice about him, I didn't see him 
do a lot of old league kicks and it seemed, it seemed throwing them uh, one little bit. And I think that was because the, the early leg kicks did so much damage because it, Cannoneer had so much power in them, you could see that near enough every single one of them kind of buckled Whitaker that he knew his way of winning was was to land that, that jab and keep keep uh, Cannoneer at distance. Yeah, but for me, why would you not do it but to keep him at distance and to... The one thing that he's got for him is his power. Now, if your leg, if he's kicking you in the legs, you need to disable them legs anyway. And if he's got the power, you need to disable them legs. So either way, the one thing that you need to do with a fighter like Cannon here is disable the legs. And oblique kicks work perfectly for that. And I don't understand why he wasn't... I don't understand why uh, Whitaker wasn't uh, using him to his advantage. It'd keep Cannonier back, it'd make him think twice before uh, coming in to lay the big shots off, and it'd fuck his legs up to the extent where he couldn't get the big shots off, or to the extent where it'd, it'd slow him down enough where it, it'd take his movement away to where you, you could sort of pop him off. Um, but Whitaker didn't sort of have a problem with that anyway, because Cannonier was not moving his head one little bit, he, he was just a still moving target. His head was just there, even though his body was moving, his head was there. Like there was no movement at all and but if he didn't have his gloves up, Whitaker just would have been hitting him with with every single shot. And the one good thing what Whitaker has obviously is his boxing. I know he got knocked out his previous fight between Izzy, but Izzy's a world class kickboxer, so that takes it out of perspective. But Whitaker has got good boxing. He's that jab that comes up, you don't even see it because he's bouncing about, got that sort of taekwondo style, and then before you know it, it's just a quick, it's just a quick jab. You don't, and then before you know it, your eyes closed, and it's like, oh, how did that happen? It's like, oh yeah, hang on a minute, I, I, when did he get five hundred shots off on me? Because he wants it as well when he gets into rhythm. That jab is just there for him. He's one fighter who uses the jab efficiently, and he'll he'll throw it two or three times just to distract you of either that other one that's coming and then that right sneaky kick that's coming over the top that we perfectly seen him do against Cannonier, the one that sort of rocked him when it were one two and then sneak over the top because he times it perfectly with a combination of coming with that right so your right hand's up and then coming with that left so your right hand drops a little bit and your left hand comes up it's just perfect your, your body automatically wants to do this sort of stuff so as you drop your right hand and your left hand's coming up he's already thinking about that left that mm-hmm. right leg yeah. coming over the top so he's, his brain's already in sync with his body and he knows exactly what he wants to do it's, and when he wants to do it it's the levels of fight IQ yeah definitely I'm not taking away nothing from Cannon here he put up a good uh, he put up a good fart to say it was Robert Whittaker who you're fighting this sort of Robert Whitaker looks healthy. Like mm-hmm. I said to you, in, um, in, to me, Robert Whitaker reminds me of one of these fighters, like a cowboy in a way, where having that title or having that pressure of going for that title or something like that Can takes a toll. Yeah, it's a weight around his neck. Yeah, what he doesn't need. And when he doesn't have that, he's so much of a better fighter. Like, mm-hmm. When have we saw him look this good in that long? Especially as a, a guy like Cannon here. Going into this fight, the odds, uh, the betters didn't have favourites, did they? I think they were both near enough. Yeah, yeah, they were both near enough. Like they were both even. Yeah. Uh, So they they were both as, and even for me, I couldn't pick a winner in this fight. I were, I was struggling. I was having a debate with myself. I'm like, oh, with this, and I'm over this. I'm, I'm putting pros and cons out between either of them, and I, I honestly, to God, couldn't make a decision of, of who was going to win this fight it was an exciting fight for me because I'm to myself I'm like shit I'm just going to have to watch this and just see exactly what happens because I couldn't for the life in me put a gun to me and I could not fucking tell you who would win this fight mm-hmm. and I, even if I did I probably would have got it wrong um, so Cannonier yeah, yeah it's not, he's not a, he's not a push over himself he's got power in both of these hands uh, Whitaker had the perfect game plan to stay out of that power and use his Movement uses perfect boxing to uh, fuck up that eye, and as soon as he saw the the swelling on the eye, uh, and uh, that it were perfect for him, he, it, yeah, it literally give him a target to aim for. Each time it was like that that red that red circle on your on your mitt. You've got some of there. You, it's not easy where you get your, your nose, your eyes, stuff like that. Oh, buzzard! 
Right, aim for the well, aim for the well, because you know that's that that part's the part that you've injured. Keep going for it, keep going for it. It's gonna open up more choices for you. And the obviously when you said the level of fighting is the perfect example, the way of putting it. He knew if I keep on hitting that same spot, he's gonna he's gonna get lazy on something else, where he's gonna he's gonna loosen up on his body, he's gonna drop his hands a bit. He's going to do something that he shouldn't have done, and I'm going to make him pay for it. And that's exactly what Whitaker were able uh, able to do. But the one thing we can say at the end of it, how the one thing when you're in a fire, keep your attention at all time. I guarantee Whitaker's bubble were chewing at that last fucking thirty to twenty yeah. seconds, especially when Cannonier fucking hit him and he started doing a bit of a stanky leg himself. Yeah. I bet his bubble were like fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, I should have finished this earlier. But yeah, so that was maybe a lesson to him um, in a in a good way. Like not not everything's a, a win for you. Like he got a bit cocky. Like maybe just like fuck it, I'm safe now. I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna chill out. And he almost fucking he almost paid for that. Canon here mm-hmm. almost made him pay for it. But luckily enough, uh, time went and the judges give it. Obviously, like you said, 28-27, Did you say which? Uh, twenty nine, twenty eight across the board. Yep. Yeah, twenty nine, twenty eight across the board. Which I'm not surprised at. It were a, it, in a way, the first round was a, a close round. That mm-hmm. could have been anybody's round. I think that's the round that, that all the judges gave uh, Cannonier. Yeah. So obviously, the last, the the second and third, Whitaker just with the the experience and the knowledge of of the championship knowledge because he, he fought he like just a champion. Just he just the tempo. Yeah. He fought like a champion, just unfortunately, when he's got that belt around his waist or when he's getting close to that belt, for me, he just, I don't know, he just sort of, he just sort of has too much pressure on him. So like, obviously, he fought with, with y'all, and like I said in the fight, when I said to you, uh, maybe is he a good fighter, or maybe is, he, is it just early signs of like um, CET sort of thing? Like, he's, he's had took so much punishment he took so much punishment off yards took so uh, been knocked out of Israel is he going to be the same sort of fighter and again I'm, and I'm glad uh, I am, I'm glad I'm sort of wrong about especially when I talk about that sort of stuff in fighters when I get it wrong I'm glad because I'm like thank fuck I didn't like, thank fuck I am wrong on that because clearly the fighter's normal clearly his, his brain is intact and all that sort of stuff and you don't always want to be right it's not a case of that when you, obviously when you're talking about Fighters injury, and especially to that extent of being so serious, it's when you when you say stuff and you are right, you don't get that. Especially, especially for me, you don't get that sense of pleasure going, "Oh, fuck it, I got that one right." You're like, "Oh fuck, I wish I didn't get that right. I wish I fucking got that wrong." Um, but yeah, I'm glad. Uh, this is the only one of the only times when I do get, get stuff wrong. I'm I'm uh, a little bit fucking glad about it. Uh, but yeah, uh, congratulations to to Whitaker. Uh, he did say after the fight that he's not going to talk about his next fight. He's going to go on to his family, but Christmas tree, which is fair enough. He's he's fought a lot over the last couple of years and obviously put through injury and stuff like that. It's good to him to have a bit of family time, but let's be real. We all know his next fight after beating Cannonier, his number one yeah. uh, contender. We all know his next fight is going to be Israel, so there's no point in saying he's not going to talk about it because his next fight's already there, sort of written in paper. If well, unless some miracle happens where Bones don't decide to fight at every weight and they do decide to fight at like ever, well, I don't see that happening. No, he's definitely he's definitely got uh, Israel next. Uh, but yeah, go home and enjoy Christmas. This is a, you've got to remember this is a Rob Whitaker who's usually that needs a long layoff after a fight and this guy's fought twice in three months so exactly that, obviously that's going straight to the pressure of the title like he's, he looks healthier looks healthier than he's been in the last two to three years and he he hasn't got no pressure on him to, to do all he had the, he knew this was a fight and I don't think he even put pressure on himself to to get the title shot afterwards and I think that's why he's still telling himself that like, he's not lo- looking for the for the next fight I believe that's that's why he did put on the performance because he wasn't looking for that title fight and he wasn't mm-hmm. looking for the next fight he was looking just go win this fight I'm going to go spend some time with my family whatever happens yeah. happens and I believe that's what makes him a better fighter yeah I agree uh, so the fight that, that this card was built around the the biggest fight of 2020 uh, even even with Covid being the uh, the kind of ruiner of, of, of all sports yeah, everybody, every man and his dog were looking forward to this fight, and these two guys came out and gave us uh, a, a, an amazing performance. Um, 
Khabib Nurmagomedov, the uh, the 28 and all unbeaten UFC champion, and Justin Gaethje, the uh, the the hardest hitting fighter in that division, possibly in in the company. Um, it was always going to be a banger of fight, and and they did not disappoint. Started pretty kind of nervy for the first couple of minutes. Uh, both guys keeping a huge distance. Um, Gaethje obviously didn't want to be in that kind of a shooting range for for Habib, and Habib wanted to stay as far away as from uh, Gaethje's dynamite fists as possible. Uh, and it was actually Gaethje that kind of like took the 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 early momentum with uh, with the leg kicks. But once uh, once Habib uh, kind of got the the feeling that uh, he can take Gaethje's shots. He just literally turned it up about two minutes into that into the first round. He just turned his game on. He started to do what what a lot of us was hoping that he would do. He started to stand and bang with Justin Gaethje, and he got the better of him. He he for me at least, uh, he made it made Gaethje look like the fighter he was pre-joining the UFC where he just had one kind of direction and it was go throw hands like the clappers and and basically don't uh, don't use your fight IQ your intelligence to to make better chances just hope you land the knockout blow Uh, Habib was very economical with his shots but he landed pretty much I'd say at least 80% of the the fists he threw where Gaethje was looked very nervous, he was bouncing about, he was throwing wild strikes which were, were nowhere near him and he had me worried, I thought that he looked like someone who was hurt and was just trying to swing the way out of trouble. Uh, but uh, Nurmagomedov, obviously, this guy is not 28 and all for no reason. He knew to avoid those shots because one of them landing would have put him out. It's as simple and clear as that. And he waited until 30 seconds of the fight to go, shot for a double leg, took it down, and the guy just, like, he's an octopus. He's just, there's no word to describe how good uh, Habib is on the ground. He... Got, he got Gaethje down, he was able to shoot for that, for that uh, double leg and, and position himself for an armbar all within 20 seconds. The, the, the horn pretty much saved Gaethje uh, in, in, the, in the second round. Um, he, uh, going into the, the second, we, we saw pretty much a lot of the same. Uh, um, it looked like Gaethje's leg kicks had, had hurt uh, Habib. But Habib just did the same as what he did in the in the first round. He went for a takedown, was able to to secure it, and uh, he just dragged uh, Gaethje to the floor. Was able to transition into mount, went for a, another submission. This time went for for the triangle. It got locked in. Gaethje, and this was a worry for me because he tapped three times before Jason Herzog uh, finally uh, recognised that it was a tap, and he was absolutely out cold. Um, but yeah, what a great victory for Nurmagomedov! Really, kind of cementing the fact that there's no argument he's the best fighter that's ever been in the, in the UFC octagon. No ifs, ands, or buts. This guy is what 13 and all in the UFC, 29 and all in his career. Um, but that wasn't the end of the drama uh, because straight after the fight. You could see it, the pressure was lifted off Habib. You know, obviously, many most people know that he lost his father, uh, who was his mass, biggest influence in the sport. And he's uh, he made a promise to his mum that this was his last fight. He'd go home and he would look after his mum. Uh, and fair play to the guy. He's retiring on top. And I think this is one of those kind of retirements that, that sticks. I don't think he's going to be the kind of person who uh, does a GSP or does an Anderson Silverware they'll retire until a big fight comes along. I don't think he's that kind of person. He's very family orientated. He uh, thanked everybody in who's ever been basically in his in his uh, MMA life. He uh, he thanked uh, Justin uh, and yeah, what a way to go out. The guy is an absolute legend and he rightly deserves to be the pound for pound best fighter in the world and uh, Thanks, Habib, for, for just being the most dominant wrestler that I've ever, ever seen. Yeah, definitely. He, uh, he proper... I had me, like, tongue-tied when I, when I saw that. I didn't, 
I didn't know what to say when I saw the finish. I didn't know what to say when he actually came out. Like, I, I, I would say I'm saying this now. Like I, I acted surprised. Like he said, I'm fucking retiring. Like it's my last fight. Like, like I didn't already know with all the suspense building up when his team were trying to take his gloves off for the minute that it that it fucking took. Uh, in my head, I'm like, I, I must have said it to myself like hundred times. He's gonna retire here. Yeah? He's gonna retire here. Yeah? He's he's gonna retire here. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. He's gonna retire here. Yeah? You, you you could tell. It, we didn't really want to kind of uh, believe it because this guy could go on for another ten years and still be as massively dominant. But when you see his team ripping at the tape on his gloves and he was kind of avoiding uh, speaking to John Anik uh, until he got his gloves off, we all knew it was coming. We knew it was coming before, we just didn't want to believe that it was going to come. Um, but yeah, you can't, you, can't, you can't fault him for it because, like I said, he, he, he did everything for his dad. And once his dad passed, he has no reason to fight anymore. He didn't really want to do this fight. He did it because he felt an obligation to the UFC uh, and he felt an obligation to Justin Gaethjian. He's fulfilled that obligation. He's nothing else to prove. Anyone who faces now is someone who he's already beat or someone who is not even in his calibre. Good on him. Go and have a happy laugh uh, training other fighters. I mean, it's not like there's not... Ten of them and uh, Magomedov's coming through the rankings. Who's yeah, happy to definitely. take that 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 foul? Yeah, definitely. Just give the fucking man his, his number one pound for pound. He's he's deserved it at least. Give him it. Uh, one thing is safe. It's safe for bones. I'll I'll grant you the spot. That that was funny. But yeah, just give him the pound for pound spot. Even if it's for a fucking day or a week. He's, the man has deserved it. He's he's earned everything he's fucking done. He's done twenty eight and all. A lot of people give him shit when he started coming up like to like eighteen and all like oh. So he's fought stuff like that. Yeah, but that's uh, who he's fought now that matters. Like, the guy's 29 and all, mm-hmm. who he's 12 and all in the UFC and fought everybody and anybody apart from Turner, which to me is going to probably hang over his career. But then again, for how dominant he's going to be, could you not say he'd just do that over Tony Ferguson anyway? Well, which I personally am MMA, confident he would. MMA math dictates that Justin Gaethje laid a whooping on, on Tony Ferguson and Habib dominated Justin Gaethje. So I don't think I don't think that's the kind of thing that would worry Habib. I don't think um, fame or glory is what he's after. He's just after oh, no, he's no, just no. after respect. Yeah, yeah. He's a very he's a very humble very humble character. Like I say, when you're going back to the retirements, like this is not. I don't think it's going to be a fake one. Like I say, I personally, I don't think it's going to be a fake one. He's he's a humble enough character and a loyal enough character to keep a promise, especially to his especially to his mother, especially a, a strong bond like that. You you can't take nothing away from mother and son bond. Mm-hmm. Uh, say so if I if I said something to my mother and I'd keep my word, simple as that. Um, and and it was a horrible thing to say as well. My friend sort of had a thing, and I said to my friend, if if there was someone to put bets on now to say this was last fight because of the circumstances, what happened? I'd stick my house on it because I, I knew deep down I knew Khabib were going to retire because I knew since day one of following his career that he didn't sort of want to do this, even when he was doing sambo so if he didn't really want to do it it was his dad his dad yeah. was a massive influencer to his game that's why he respected him so much that's why a lot of people in Dagestan that's why a lot of people in Russia respected his dad so much the Eagles gym is so big and uh, like you say now with, with Khabib he doesn't even need to leave Russia he doesn't need to come back to the United States he could just go back to Dagestan live there he, he literally controls the Eagles gym he's like a god in Dagestan, he's a royalty at the end of the day. They look at him like a like a fucking a rock star. God. Yeah. Um, so he's got he's got all that lot going for him. He's he obviously he's got a private life. He's got a wife. He's got either a son or a daughter. I'm not not too sure, but I, I know he's got kids. He's he, the guy can just go and enjoy himself. He you can tell he's not being able to because what a lot of people as well have got to remember. It's not like he's come from a background like. Us lot from an everyday where he could just enjoy his life and stuff like that. His his dad were very, his dad were a very strict and a strict person with rules to follow. And if you wouldn't, you can tell Khabib he started say wrestling at three or four, doing all this like doing competition, becoming a world champion, and then obviously flying around the world to train in America and train at home. And you can just imagine how much train. Well, especially me to myself of who've 
who's put time in and especially how much time you'd have to put in to be at Khabib's level like you can just tell that he hasn't had that much time for personal life you can just tell he, he's missed out on a lot of stuff growing up and he's missed out on a lot of stuff over the last couple of years because of the sort of character um, he is uh, so yeah he's, he's done enough to fucking go in and enjoy himself he's, he'll always to me when it comes on the subject he'll always be the best lightweight ever mm-hmm. uh, one of the pound for pound best grapplers on the fucking planet you can't take that nothing you can't take that anything away from him the fight was surprising for me like I'm not going to say I'm not going to lie and sit here and say oh everything were amazing no it disappointed me a bit I expected more out of Justin um, and like you say he, he didn't look he didn't look like the the smart Justin in a way he looked a bit like the like I say that the old Justin of old yeah the one who just wanted to stand and bang but then again when you've got a guy like Khabib who's just a world class grappler you, you're sort of stuck in the mud like I made, like I made a point here when you're that good of a grappler it sort of doesn't matter who you're facing because when you're that good of a grappler you can take anybody down at will your opponent's always thinking in the head if I do this and fuck up you're going to take me down mm-hmm. if I do this wrong you're going to take me down if I try this you're going to take me down everything that they do themselves they're always going to question themselves is if I do this is he going to take me down and with Khabib you're without a no question of that. You're asking yourself that question every single time you even question yourself to do something. Because he's that good of a, a wrestler and that good of a grappler that you do something wrong, you'll take it down. And even if you don't do something wrong, you'll take it down. He just he, he can he's proved that over his 29 fight career. Mm-hmm. That he can just take you down at will. He's the only guy who's got, what has he got, like 27 takedowns in a fight or something like that. I think that's the record, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and it's... It, 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 the guy will take you down was that the against uh, Trujillo I think it was a guy who's got a hammer on his chest dicks mm-hmm. all on his chest uh, <laughs> um, but yeah so he, he's literally the the pound for pound best lightweight to ever step foot in that UFC octagon to ever wrap the UFC belt around his waist you can't take that away from the man give him his, his pound for pound number one let him retire in peace the lightweight division He'll move on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he can spend some time with family. Justin can sort of get to his game plan, maybe figure out what he did wrong, or even if he didn't do anything wrong, maybe Khabib was just that good. We know he's fucking good. We, we know he's definitely good. Uh, but where does the lightweight go from here? We've got the likes of Tony, uh, yeah, Tony Ferguson, who's basically licking his wounds and who will come back. Dustin Poirier, uh, Connor, Matt Rear is at his head again. That's it. We've got them two fighting pretty soon, and like uh, like me and you were talking about earlier, why did them two were pretty quick to sort of accept the UFC thing? Mate, did they know something about mm-hmm. Khabib retiring? Did they get a bit of a um, bit, a, bit of a, uh, a speaking to, telling them that oh, you might be fighting for the vacant lightweight title soon, but keep it quiet. We'll never know. Might that might come out, so keep an eye on that. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff going to be happening in that lightweight division soon. Obviously, the the lightweight gold now retiring and vacating the belt on top. Um, what's next? Who do you think is going to be fighting for the belt? Yeah, I, I I think you make a lot of sense with the fact that uh, the. Connor and Dustin were very quick to uh, to accept the UFC's uh, um, basically demand of having it uh, as a as a UFC bout rather than a, an exhibition bout. Uh, I think that's the it's the sensible fight to make for the title, and then have Justin Gaethje take on the the winner, seeing as he was the the interim before this fight. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, Thanks uh, for everything that you've done for me for the, for the sport, and yeah, you're going out on top, which is you can't ask for anything more, really. Um, looking forward to next uh, next week's card. It's a, a little bit of a palate cleanser after after today's uh, um, amazing event. Uh, we've got Bobby Green versus Thiago Moises. Bobby Green maybe pushing his way in that lightweight division for a title shot. Uh, we've got everybody's. Uh, uh, most hated fighter Greg Hardy against Maurice Green, uh, Kevin Holland against uh, Mahmoud Muradov in the middleweights, uh, Andre Feely and Brass Mitchell in the featherweights for the Coleman, and then uh, legend versus legend killer Uriah Hall against Anderson Silva as the main event. So yeah, check back next week for 
for all the 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 action from from UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silver. Uh, but follow me on Twitter at DJ Kirby. Follow Carlos here at Kirby underscore Carlos. Follow the show at Five Rounds Pod. Uh, check us out on Visionaries Global Media. Check us out on uh, Shooting the Sports Ish, and check us out on uh, Chairshot Media Group. Uh, thank you all for listening, and that is the end. Adios, amigos. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.